0: Welcome to the Dr. Funk podcast. On this episode, we discuss the release of the new Prince Greatest Hits album, Forever, the American Music Award for Purple Rain, and the Anniversaries of Emancipation, the Rainbow Children, and the Black Album. And now, please send all your moonbeam levels to me, Dr. Funkenberry.
1: Mm. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk podcast. Chris, what's going on, my man?
0: What's up, Doc? How you doing today?
1: Doing great. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher, leave reviews if you want. And always donate to the podcast at drfunkenberry.com. Other than that, let's get things out of the way. We kind of had a busy week, man. An an award. uh, I wouldn't say a new release album, a a new song with new album most expensive
0: cd single i've ever
1: bought (laughs) (laughs) most expensive cd single you ever purchased yeah (laughs) are we bad fans all we kind of played was moonbeam levels as soon as we got it to see how the sound quality was compared to what was out there before that doesn't make us bad
0: fans no i think that just makes us fans because yeah i went straight to track 13 disc 2 and I really don't care about the rest of it. So I'll just, uh, yeah. And and was it any different than what you've had?
1: It, it sounds cleaner a little bit, but I probably was playing it a little bit louder on my car than the other stuff. Um, I think people care. I don't think there's been anything that says like the sound is tremendously different. You know, it didn't say anything about a remaster. I know that uh, the Ultimate set Ultimate Prince, they kind of mess up the sound levels a little bit, so it was cleaner than existing versions before. But I don't think we've gotten past Moonbeam levels. So Yeah, Prince Forever is now in stores. It's a 40-disc uh, collection of Prince hits and other things, and it just has the single-edit versions, so uh, they try to make a big deal about that. like The single-edit versions doesn't have Cat's Wrap it's interesting because Get Off has the ass scratch, but that's how it was in the single edit version. <clears throat> Even uh, some video edits, not the main video. And But then you have Sexy MF right afterwards, and that's not bleeped at all.
0: Oh, really? Interest,
1: interesting set. You know, he did, you know, approve a collection like this before his passing... Um, but the main thing is, is you know, when he brought it up, he was talking about having his own liner notes and things and that, and that obviously didn't happen because it wasn't done yet. He did pick out the photo uh, by Justine Waffle. Justine. And there's really nothing extra to it. You don't know if these were the songs that he would have chosen or not. Yeah, this is a project that he wanted to do, but you would think if he did choose it, all the tracks that Warner Brothers would announce on the press release, like these songs were chosen by him. And, you know, and I have to reiterate, because when as soon as I posted that it's out, there are people again going, where's the past songs for the 20 years? And this is only from the Warner Brothers collection. You know, other stuff right. was released through Sony, Columbia, Universal, and have to go through all that. They wouldn't have it out in time, you know? Maybe in the future they can do something like that, but right now that wasn't gonna happen. So basically, you got another hits collection, but different formats, different songs. Glam Slam and Bad Dance actually on a hits collection, which oh, that's uh, cool. the Batman soundtrack. Um, none of that was on any of the other hits collections.
2: Hmm.
0: You know. Well, I'm now. I'm surprised that the like the sexy MF was unedited because I don't remember seeing a warning label on the CD.
1: Yeah. You mean the warning label that he started?
0: Yeah. Which ironically he started. Right.
1: Yeah. Go. I don't know if you remember, but there was a video edit for sexy MF where when it gets to the you sexy mother, it's him doing the "Ow."
0: yeah. That's my favorite version of that single actually.
1: I'm surprised they didn't have that version on it. Anyway. All right. So Prince Forever is out now. You know, support it if you want. You know, hopefully this will bring more stuff. Of course, we have the Purple Rain Remaster coming out in 2017. And there's supposed to be another uh, new album of material coming out. Now, Chris, um, are you... Excited at least for the Purple Rain remaster coming out. What do you think about that? Oh yeah,
0: I'm absolutely excited. Um, I there's so much potential there. You know, we've talked about it too, but there's just so much potential that who knows what it, it's not going to live up to it. But I'm sure it never uh, never uh, matches up to our expectation levels because you know we're such uber fans. But it's going to be good, and I think it's going to be well received, and I can't wait and even the forever, I like it. I like the fact that you have get this booklet. We, oh, we didn't talk about the booklet. Uh, what do you think of the the Herberts' photos inside? Inside, inside, they were
1: pretty cool. Inside. Um, oh, sorry, having a little bit it's of echo, guys. It. They're pretty cool. They're, it kind of takes away from Justine's shot in the front a little bit, and then you have Madison's shot in the middle, but you have the great. Her bridge shots, and you have that for the prince forever kind of how the booklet is with him touching his arms, kind of crossed, giving himself a self hug, as some people say. Um, it's it's a cool booklet, you know. That's what some people were getting it for as well, or that, you know. But you were talking about it never lives up to people's levels. Hopefully, it lives up to their moonbeam levels, right? (laughs) That was on that. that (laughs) but that's okay the american music awards prince was nominated for a best soundtrack a fan voted award yes Uh, we put out uh you know the link for people to go on the website and vote for it and they said this year uh that they're also doing it by tweets but which is opening it up worldwide although they didn't give any how they're going to be able to tabulate all those. You know, they have the little hashtags for different things, but sometimes people don't follow it. I basically felt the award was going to win all the time, but it was a fan award. Uh, And Purple Rain, 31 years after it was released, 32, good Lord. Um, It beats Star Wars and... Beat the other thing that's escaping me right now. Suicide. Suicide. Suicide squad. Yeah. Yeah. They had a cover of a Queen song. Yeah. All right. Well, Prince won, and Taika Nelson came up to get the award, and we're going to play her speech right now and talk about my kind of only issue I had with that.
2: Prince defied the odds. A black teen... From Minneapolis with a goal to electrify the world, he had the courage to be different. With his vision and God-given talent, he is still one of the world's most respected and loved artists. But what he told me was that he wanted to be known as the world's most prolific songwriter. And with 984 titles to his credit and counting, he has done just that. In the words of Prince, with love, honor, and respect for every living thing in the universe, separation ceases, and we all become one being singing one song. On behalf of Prince, Our wonderful friend, teacher, and brother, I humbly accept this award. And me, my brother Omar, my brother Alfred, my sister Sharon, my sister Noreen, and my brother John, (laughs) we'll keep this for you at Paisley Park. Until we see you again, this is for you.
0: Very cool. Very cool. think of that pretty heartfelt pretty hard film to me to me sorry, about that. sorry
1: being a little critical of you know i think she was damned if she does damned if she doesn't if she didn't show any emotion, she would have been criticized for that so my only problem with it is that again it was a fan award The fans voted for it. The American Music Awards is a fan thing. I think she's not used to doing things like this. Like I've been to kind of a few award shows when Prince won and uh, he'd always have certain things planned to say but not exactly reading it except for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one. Um, It would have been nice for her to thank the fans for voting for it. And people... And the Revolution themselves were kind of wondering why they weren't called to do it. Here's the problem. It would have been either Taika getting it or the Revolution. And Taika has never um, kind of had this spotlight on her before. I know that she's recorded a few albums. I think this is things that she wanted in her career to happen but didn't. Um, So whenever there's an award nomination, the estate is going to get the call. And it's up to Taika and them if they want to attend or they want the Revolution to do it. Um, right now, I personally believe Taika and them they they wanted this. They kind of wanted the limelight with everything going on and to make that statement about Paisley Park. Like, say if they had the Revolution at the award, you know, would there have been something like okay, but we want to make sure that you say it's going to be a Paisley Park. This way, she's saying that award will be at Paisley Park, and maybe they'll put something that says thank you to the Vans for voting this in after his passing or whatnot. That's what they should do. Um, again, some people were upset about the revolution. If I'm the revolution, I'm calling the Grammys right now, hey, if you're doing anything, we want to be part of it. So they don't feel this left out feeling again. I think even Apollonia, she was kind of surprised that she wasn't contacted to get it this isn't 1985 anymore no disrespect at all to the revolution or apollonia True, yeah. but this is what's going to happen now is they're going to contact the estate they're not going to be contacting the revolution who did record the album with prince so they're not going to be contacting apollonia who starred in the movie with him and she does have a song with him on the soundtrack um, <laughs> we we can't even celebrate a win without it being somewhat bittersweet and a little bit of controversy, right? Yeah, well, I guess it's like yeah, well, I guess it's t-
0: kind of, it's gonna be bittersweet. It's gonna be bittersweet. The man there, you know. The man so, there,
1: you know. Yeah, they just need to chill. So, on a brighter note. This weekend, there were several anniversaries of album releases of Prince uh, albums. Now, there was only one that had an official party for it. Um, Londell McMillan threw a party for the 20th anniversary celebration of *Emancipation*'s oh. release in Los Angeles. It was a private party. It wasn't for fans. I did get invited. Um, and it's like I wasn't putting I was there until I was there or about there just because it just ca- It causes stuff. Um, I saw – I know that Maite was there and Afshin. They also had Morris Hayes and Liv Warfield and Kat Dyson and Kirk Johnson who – were playing. They were the band for the party. And also uh, Luke James came up and did Do Me Baby. So... That's cool. And DJ Rashida was in the mix, mixing stuff. You know, and uh, former managers of him were there. It was just... And former assistants, too. Judith Hill was there. It was... It's interesting. And the problem is, is like when I see people, we all kind of have like this look since April 21st. It's just kind of like we all kind of want to ask how we're doing, but we're really not doing that well. I think sometimes as great as it is for us to see each other and be there for each other, it's a reminder that he Prince brought us into each other's lives, we wouldn't have probably known each other or anything. And that person that did that isn't here anymore. So these parties to me are kind of like the award where it's bittersweet. There are some people, and I'm not going to mention them because people grieve in in different ways that are celebrating and having a good time. You know, when I want to be your lover came on, I was feeling that when the Mountain 12 Inch came on, or she was feeling that I was feeling that. Uh, a bunch of the other times, I know they played a lot of his music. They also played other artists, but it's just like I'm there, but I'm not there. If that makes any sense, I'm at the event, but my mind is kind of checked out. I'm there physically. Um, you know, I t- I talked with some people not really going to go too much into detail. I know people hate that and I apologize. Um, but it's just stuff that I need to say privately to some people. Um, I kind of wish again that there were fan events, um, like this because you guys still need to grieve. And it just seems that unless that you were close to him in some capacity, you aren't being invited to these things. And it's, it's just it's just hard. I appreciate Lawndale uh, throwing the party um, and being able to see some of my friends at the same time. Uh, I just do wish that there was some sort of fan events that were planned out ahead of time. This was really like, you yeah, had less than a 48-hour notice. And invites within 24 hours or less. Not everyone got the invite at the same time. Um, You know, I wish I could say it's all, it was so much fun. There wasn't, it it was, I don't know. It's just hard, you guys. It wasn't balloons. There wasn't any posters or anything. It was just a party at a club. It was quite hot in there. I arrived with my friend Alex, who's a bass player. He used to play um, in Michael's uh, This Is It band. Of course, now it's just the rehearsals, and he's in the movie, and was also uh, the bassist for George Lopez, uh, the George Lopez show, and also for Arsenio when Arsenio was on the air. And he's just done a bunch of stuff. So I brought him, and he was talking with Rhonda Smith, who as well was part of that band. Um I don't know. I just feel guilty that there just isn't more events for the fans right now. Yeah. yeah. That's why I I go there, I try to report to you guys and then the music just hits me differently and it hits everyone differently cuz there was a few people just kind of sitting away from the crowd, keeping to themselves. That worked for Prince. And then there's other people that are just It's different for them, you know? Um, But 20 years, Emancipation, his first album off of Warner Brothers Records, it is uh, pretty monumental at the time. The three-disc project uh, taking on after Warner said he was releasing two music, and here he goes. Well, my first album without you guys is uh, 36 songs and three hours. Take that, Warner Brothers. Exactly. 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 And Uh, another anniversary date, although uh, speaking of fan parties, back in the day, uh, me and Chris took it upon ourselves to have a Rainbow Children listening party, and we have purple napkins from that that say October 27th, 2002. What's interesting is, is that the Rainbow Children was officially released in stores November 20th, but we as part of the music club, had that album as one long track like Love Sexy the month before. And um, what's interesting about this album, it was debuted at Paisley Park in June at Princess Celebration, the Rainbow Children. And <clears throat> it was a different world then. A lot of people who listened to the album, they had... a uh, They had listening discussions, I'd say, for people that attended the celebration. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people didn't take kindly to, it was obvious that this was inspired by him becoming a Jehovah Witness and all these things that were going on in his life. A lot of people didn't take too kindly of it. There was discussions with Prince, with Larry Graham at Paisley Park on this. And uh, I wrote a review for Uptown magazine where we kind of called it the controversial new album. And of course, I love it because that was the sticker for the vinyl and for the CD. It's a controversial new album. And uh, I, I thank Uptown for trusting me to do a review like that after one listen. And that's all I had at the time. Uh, we did the article and, and the article hit. Uh, Right around the time that it was actually released in stores. So it was very cool that it did that. Um, We did have it online. That's where you picked up on the controversial new album part. Uh, Then something happened between June and November 2001. Do you remember what that was, Chris? Oh,
0: no. Oh, no.
1: September 11th. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And people were more open to things. And I think people listened with different ears, a different mindset. And what's interesting was, is all the controversy and all the people that were upset about the recording. And there was some people that liked it at the time. Um, but now, after this life-changing event that changed us all, Um, it seemed that more people were appreciating the Rainbow Children. Like people, you know, someone in the industry asked me when I first, you know, when they got it into their hands and listened to it. They're like, "What do you think?" I go, "Musicianship-wise, it's amazing." I know some people are tripping on the lyrics and the voices, but if you just listens to it, and my friend was like, "I agree," he's like, "I would love love for him to release this instrumental because there's some grooves on this that are just amazing." Um. You know, but Rainbow Children now is heralded more as a classic, interesting enough, just because of the musicianship and the certain things that he tackles. At that time at Paisley Park in 2001, I didn't think it came across that way. Chris, um, were you were you at that celebration or not? Yeah, I was there. for. Yeah, I was, was there. there for th- oh, sorry. The oh, sorry. sorry the
0: back, everybody. Back, so, everybody. Huh? Uh, Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was there. Had a discussion. Had a discussion.
1: And how was your take on the album at that time? Was it kind of like everyone else's, where you're like, what's going on with my brother?
0: Yeah, it was
1: kind of preachy.
0: I remember coming away with that, thinking it was more preachy. But over time, it really did. I love the production. The production on that album is unbelievable. If you get a good pair of speakers to hear it on, it is just mind blowing. And I, I can appreciate it now. But at the time, I remember thinking, oh, it's very different. It's really preachy and kind of you know, coming from that Jehovah's Witness thing. So, yeah, I was like everyone else.
1: But And then, like I said, we were more open to things then. So it's just interesting. And then a lot of people, it helped them uh, at that time after 9-11. So you have emancipation. Then you have probably Prince taking his biggest risk music-wise. Uh, in 2001 with that where he's kind of been off the charts kind of ignored He had Kevin Smith at Paisley Park recording all this stuff that was supposed to be for a documentary about the Rainbow Troll and that's in the vault although Kevin will tell you not everything is there because one time they were recording for a song and they ran out of tape and they didn't tell Prince <laughs> so Prince like, all that, he's like like they recorded so long that they literally ran out of tape, and like Kevin was trying to ask the assistant, like we don't, we don't have any more tape. So some of what he discussed wasn't exactly filmed. I do know that there was commercials uh, that aired uh, for Redline, which is distributed through Best Buy, that kind of had some of the crowds' reaction at Paisley listening to it. And of course, it was like the positive ones, but. Um, Again, that that may not get the attention that Emancipation got, but it still was a very important uh, part of Prince's career in a new direction. And then it kicked off the One Night Alone tour where he actually played almost the entire album. And it was amazing. The musicianship, as we talked about on the record, was amazing. Instead of Morris Hayes, who's the keyboardist on Rainbow Jordan, you had Renato Neto. Um, and then of course, John Blackwell on the drums, and Rhonda Smith. Just an amazing, amazing band and a great album. And then another album, which kind of lives in infamy, was released in 1994. Although it was technically supposed to be released in 1987, the Black album had its anniversary this week as well. Oh, wow. Now, not to age yourself or anything, <laughs> Chris. Chris. Uh, when was the first time that you had a copy of the Black Album in your hands? And I'm sure it wasn't 1994.
0: No, I have actually a pretty good story that goes with that. Um, so when I was in high school, there I only had one friend, that because I switched districts. I moved in with my mom, and I was living with my dad in junior high. So I went to a brand new high school and it turns out there was only one person from my junior high that ended up going to that high school with me. And she was a big Prince fan, just like I was. Well, I think it was 1986 and she had come back from Minneapolis visiting family and she had a copy of the black album. And so right. I, I didn't get to see it. I didn't get a copy. Well, I got a copy of hers. She made me a tape. So I had it on cassette that off of her vinyl, which was pretty damn cool. So I was one of the lucky ones to hear it in 1986.
1: 86? You mean 87? Probably 87. Yeah, that's yeah, high school. Made in but Yeah, I mean, I, it was pretty, Someone we heard about it had a copy of it. It was quite different. It was dark, like how you know they said. Um, just that record, and then you think about it, like right after "Sign This," and then "Sexy" was this. Now you know one of the reasons why, like created this album.
0: Well, I thought that he had a a dream or something, right? Or no, I'm thinking about uh, Love Sexy, aren't I? Yes,
1: Yes, you are. Yes, you are.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about why he shelved the Black Album, but I really don't know what the inspiration behind the Black Album was.
1: So the story about the Black Album is there was a bunch of critics that were Kind of saying that Prince lost his blackness, that he didn't have stuff anymore. You know, kind of like around 1999, Purple Rain, Around the World in a Day, and Parade. And this kind of question was answered, was asked before uh, during filming about Under the Cherry Moon and when Around the World in a Day came out, where Prince was asked questions by Stephen Fargnoli for an MTV special where you know, it was kind of like, they put it in a way of like, you know, you kind of sold out. And Prince was like, you see these cufflinks? He was kind of trying to make a mark of this stuff kind of costs money. But he never forgot where he came from. And his response to it is is that he wanted to be judged, not by the color of his skin, uh, but his music and the content of his character, which is kind of like a famous Martin Luther King Jr. quote as well. Now, a critic that was very harsh on Prince during these times was a critic named Nelson George, who, uh, interestingly enough, was at the Purple Rain uh, screening Q&A at the Motion Picture Academy last August of this year. So Nelson George was quite critical of Prince and Nelson George is basically the inspiration name wise, at least for the song on the black album, Bob George. Ah, so kind of like, look, if you thought Prince like stalk the internet or stalk Twitter uh, when he was here. Yeah. Before social media, He did the same where he wanted to read every single review of his albums. And back then it was only critics who had a voice, not fans who or so-called fans who think they know everything. But yeah, so this, the Black Album was dark. It came from a place of kind of like to Nelson, George and others. Like, I'll show you. I can make a record like this if I wanted to. But I think he got into a dark place while recording it and uh then we hear the story of a you know from susan rogers saying that he kind of had a bad ecstasy trip and ingrid chavez was there prince just tries to say that he met ingrid and then he kind of like had a dream and that he shouldn't release the black album and then it was pulled but the records were already shipped to record stores and uh, that's how the album became one of the most bootlegged of all time is Prince's. Um, his him releasing so much material was even a huge thing back then. And it just just came on the cusp of sign of the times and how prolific he was. And then, you know, he may not have been selling like he was Purple Rain or whatever, especially after Under the Cherry Moon. But still, he was a prominent figure in music. So when Warner Brothers was asking for those records to be shipped back, there were a few that kind of were opened and kept. And then the cat was out of the bag. Interestingly enough, though, because Prince has recorded so much unreleased material, the Love Sexy tour happens, and half of the show... You're getting some of the dark sexual side of Prince. And you're getting songs from a black album. You're getting super funky, sexy. You're getting Bob George. Um, Was this all planned? That this is a way, you know, we'll never really know. And this is why some people thought Prince was putting out his own bootlegs. But Warner Brothers at the time was trying to prevent him from releasing as much Materials possible i mean sign of the times was supposed to be a three record set entitled the dream factory and they shot it down and then he wanted a separate record with just camille uh, where he had the song sped up like if i was your girlfriend or you got the look and then he kind of had to take tracks off of crystal ball take some songs from camille and make sign of the times with it um It's just so interesting that I still sometimes think that as much as Prince thought the album was so dark, him touring with Love Sexy, him knowing that the album is out there in some capacity, kind of made him, and the Black Album, one of the most bootlegged albums of all times, and made him uh, the most bootlegged artist with so many unofficial recordings and his live shows just being so incredible and impeccable. So you always have to wonder about that. And then in 1994, uh, the Black Album was officially released, quote unquote, for a limited time. Prince got a million dollars for the album. Um, And critics were still impressed by it, but they said that it didn't hold. Like if he would have released it in 1987, it would have been mind blowing. Releasing in 1994, it was different. Which is kind of hard to do. I mean, yeah, Purple Rain still holds its own weight, but with a funk record or everything, it puts you into a different thing. Just like every time I hear I want to be your lover, I want to, or I hear mountains, it's like a great friend and you smile. With funk records, it's kind of like the same. Like, Am I going to be tripping that super funky Califragile Sexy was released in 1994, although it was released in 87? It's kind of like saying the same thing that I guess we shouldn't care about Moonbeam Levels being in, for, in Prince forever because it was recorded in 1982. But of course, we're still interested in the song. And of course, um, you know, it still holds relevancy, although we've kind of had it. Some people have had it for a long time. I'm sure you remember this. Remember when we first heard Moonbeam Levels and we thought that it was called A Better Place to Die?
0: Oh, yeah. it Yeah, that's the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was for, what, 20 years, probably? Or 15 years?
1: And that song still has relevance. I mean, look, we even got the title wrong. We thought we knew everything when it came to Prince. We're like, oh, dude, have you ever heard that song, A Better Place to Die? And then years later, we find out It was Moonbeam Levels. So there you go. Regardless, grateful for the musics he has left us with Emancipation, with the Rainbow Children, with the Black Album, even with Prince Trevor and the booklet of photos and with Moonbeam Levels finally officially being released. I'm grateful for all that. I'm grateful for you guys that listen to us, that Support us. Um, I know over the past seven months, jeez, can't believe it's been Um That we've been here for you guys, and unbeknownst to you, like you guys have been here for us. So I thank you for that. I know sometimes I'm not able to respond to everyone's tweets. Uh, you know, I'll like, I'll like stuff. That's kind of like my response. I don't want to clog up people's timelines. I just want to hit you with Eckerd Info and not a bazillion articles. And I know some people, like, I can't exactly check all the comments on my Facebook fan page. Some people uh, don't get that. And then sometimes people send me messages and the questions that they ask, like, I'm not comfortable putting in writing, you know, And then it gets misconstrued or whatnot. So I know right. I don't really answer that. And I know some people have emailed me and I'll see me on the Dr. Funk podcast. I'm going to try an attempt to get back to you guys uh, from now until Christmas. Going to try. But I just want to say thank you all for everything. And thank you for being there and on this journey with us. And I hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. You know, I'm sure, Chris, you feel the same way with everything.
0: I do, yeah. I'm thankful for all the friends that I've gotten over the years because of music after, especially. So thanks.
1: And thank you guys for listening to this uh, special edition podcast. Uh, Thank you guys, from the bottom of my heart, at least for making sure that Purple Rain won at the american music awards for a best soundtrack with the Being a fan award and all that stuff it is appreciated you guys are seen you guys are heard the purple army is that army that he mentioned in let it go that's three billion strong much love keep it funky till next time